Welcome to Bully Banter, the Commercial Dispatch's weekly Mississippi State Athletics podcast. As you might expect, a little less banter this week as we mourn the death of Mike Leach. Mississippi State head coach died at age 61 on Monday night. I'm Theo DeRosa alongside Alex Murphy and Colin Dams. We'll talk about Leach and the impact he had in Starkville over the last three years. Definitely just a sad week for Mississippi State, for Starkville, for college football, because just Leach was such an icon of the sports and to just see him sick and then gone in just a matter of days. It's just been really shocking and saddening for the whole community of college football and here in Starkville has left Mississippi State reeling. Obviously, Leach was taken to the hospital on Sunday. He died there Monday night in Jackson and State's kind of just picking up the pieces since then, mourning a man who kind of won the hearts of Mississippi State fans from the moment he was hired. Colin, Alex, I mean, what do you guys think about Mike Leach and what did you guys know about him even before he took this job at State? Yeah, Colin, I'll let you go first because you're the one who's been, you know, around Mississippi State longer than all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 tragic. It's um, it's really sad. And, you know, in a week, it, you know, this happened I think, three days after uh, journalist Grant Wall passed away in Qatar really suddenly and the the timeline of, on Twitter has just been constant sharing of stories, you know, people, you know, honoring Mike Leach's legacy and similar to, you know, what happened in the wake of Grant Wall's passing. So it, it's been it's been a sad few days um, kind of soaking all this in. But it's been a, it's also been positive to see how many people have been impacted and how many people have stories to tell that, you know, can put a smile on people's face. And, you know, as someone who was, I, I had mixed feelings about Mississippi state hiring Mike Leach in the first place. Um, this had always been a school that was either, you know, run first or kind of an option spread type offense under Dan Mullen and then uh, Joe Moorhead. So it was always going to be a really big shift. Um, when it came to football as well as the culture, but um, I mean, he hit the ground running and he took care of the culture part immediately. Um, a lot of Mississippi state fans respected him and um, they loved hearing him talk whenever he was put in front of a microphone as did the rest of the college football world. And I, I think you really saw the breadth of his impact in college football um, over, over the last couple of days. I mean, there have been people sharing, you know, stories about him as a football coach and people who he's, he's influenced. And if you look at his coaching tree, um, it really has shaped the modern game of, of college football, as well as, you know, NFL passing offenses. Some of the quarterbacks that have come from, you know, people who work directly under Mike Leach. I think there's like four NFL starters um, that have come from those coaching trees. So yeah, it's, um, it's an incredibly, sad loss for college football to lose that personality and to lose that influence, but um, has been a little bit of a positive to see everyone react in this way and, you know, share love and share stories. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to do more of a joking thing here, but it seems like uh, the places that I've gone when it comes to college towns, I've been uh, incredibly unlucky when it comes to untimely deaths and things of that nature, because when I was a student at Maryland, for those that remember, 
um, in the college football world. Some, you know, I believe it was 2018 before the season. Uh, we found out about the passing of Jordan McNair, an offensive lineman who was a freshman at the time going into a sophomore year. That was a much different situation than this situation because it was found out that there was a bunch of scandals and and, and controversies and terrible, terrible things that, that came from that uh, stemming from head coach DJ Durkin down to Rick Court, who was the um, strength and conditioning coach at the time. Uh, you know, just terrible, terrible things that happened with that. This is a much different situation um, and a much more tragic and, you know, equally tragic and unfortunate situation. But it's one like Colin was talking about that has produced a lot of memories um, from people who have interacted with with Mike over the years. Um, you know, I overheard uh, I'm trying to think when Steph put out that video on Twitter of him. I didn't even know that he had a four hour conversation with Leach or whatever it was when he first got into the um uh, into the beat with the Clarion Ledger. But, I mean, that's insane to just talk with a guy for four hours, especially someone of that sort of stature. And when he was talking about, you know, trying to get Grace down um, uh, to Starkville uh, and, you know, to be able to cover, the, uh, you know, the team in the area, I just thought, you know, those things like that. I mean, I've seen countless and countless and countless accounts of people, um, you know, just talking about their, their interactions with Leach. I know Theo... Um, he was at that party, the uh, the media party that that you were at over the weekend, um, and you know, you know, people interacted with him there and and loved his presence. And I know that you know he's a guy that that you know went to the beat of his own drum. He was, I mean, I, I know when um, uh, SVP was doing his one big thing yesterday or last night for um, Sports Center, he talked about Mike Leach as a you know very very unique personality, a one on one personality. And I think that's very true. I don't think that, I mean, there's a select, select, select few, you know, number of people that can, you know, truly, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but can truly personify the personality that he had, can truly, you know, just, he was so just different than everyone else. But at the same time, as he was different, he was also incredibly successful. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, at Texas Tech, that was the game where Crabtree, um, what was it, Crabtree pulls free the um uh, the Brent the Brent Musburger call where they upset Texas, if I'm not mistaken, or whomever it was. Uh, and he was the guy, if I'm not mistaken, who brought College Game Day to Pullman for the first time when he was at Washington State, and that was a big thing because Old Crimson was um flying behind you know the sets of College Game Days weeks and weeks and weeks on and they had never gotten to Pullman before and they finally got there and it was one of the most electric environments that had ever been seen in college game day and now he comes to Mississippi State and you know you know talking about how his tenure has gone so far or how I was tenure went in Starkville you know he had never won an Egg Bowl until this year and everyone was talking about you know his career at Mississippi State was finally going to be cemented moving forward with winning the Egg Bowl, and my goodness, what an ugly Egg Bowl it was, but he was able to win it. They were able to prevail. I mean, those are the kind of things that have, you know, cemented him, and everywhere he's gone, he's always just, you know, wherever he's gone, people have respected him, people have revered him, and he's created a niche for himself and created a legacy for himself in every place. So I know that Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State are kind of the three big ones um, in terms of his head coaching tenure recently. But, you know, his like Colin was talking about, his impact has been felt throughout the college football world, throughout the NFL world, throughout the sports world in general. Um, though I, I will say disagree with him about candy corn. I love candy corn. Don't know why I hated it so much, but 
I'm not going to be the one to try to uh, not not going to be the one to try to argue with that on there. But I mean, just an incredible just personality within college football, and he's going to be missed dearly not only here in Starkville but just everywhere. Yeah, and it really just has been a tough year for Mississippi State athletics. I mean, you had Sam Westmoreland, the freshman offensive lineman, dying in October. You had Dave Nickel, the former receivers coach under Leach, who went to USC. He died, I think, in May. Just a really difficult year for state football, state athletics, and definitely tough to see, you know, when the head coach passes away. I mean, this isn't something that happens. I wrote a story yesterday. I think maybe 10 FBS coaches have died well during their tenures in the last, like, 50 years. Like, half of those were plane crashes. I think plane crashes were, like, the leading cause of death for college football coaches in, like, the 70s and 80s. Not so much anymore, but the last, I think, active coach who wasn't on like a health leave to die was Randy Walker at Northwestern back in 2006. So this is just unprecedented territory. It obviously kind of leaves the question of where state is going to go next, because you have a bowl game in three weeks and they're going to play in it. State confirmed to me yesterday they will be playing in the ReliaQuest Bowl. The team is going to you know, be behind Leach, play for him under Zach Arnett, who's the defensive coordinator now serving as kind of the acting interim head coach. But whether you see Arnett return next year, whether you see, you know, a new AD come in and make a hire is yet to be seen. And it's obviously pretty early to speculate on that. I mean, Leach just passed away a couple of days ago. It'll take a while, certainly for state to finalize that plan, but you've got to be thinking about that. I mean, you've had a couple of days now to kind of consider that. And unfortunately these decisions will have to be made at some point. For you guys that uh, you know have watched this program, watched Arnett, watched the defense. What do you think? You know, state's next move should be. Do you think they should roll with Arnett for the next year? Try to bring in somebody else because it's probably tough to judge at this point. Um, I mean, it's still it's still so early. It's it's kind of hard to think about. But you're right. I mean, decisions have to be made. It's it's not just the bowl game coming up, but early signing period starts next week. And I mean, that's, that's go time. That's uh, recruiting is a really big deal. I think having Zach, Zach Arnett around and, you know, running the program in that time period is really important mm-hmm. because he's been a huge part of Mississippi state's recruiting. He knows a lot of these kids personally, um, whether he is head coaching material. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm one to judge. It seems like, you know, he's been so influential at Mississippi state over these last couple of years on the defensive side, especially, and was crucial in, you know, getting that last win in the Egg Bowl. So um, I, I would expect if he's not the head coach, whoever does come in will want to keep him around. Um, I, I think I think he's that important at Mississippi State, at least. Uh, we're welcoming yeah. Michael Katz from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal today. Michael, uh, first off, you know, we saw Lane Kiffin give some comments on Mike Leach. What did Lane say about his, you know, in-state rival for the last three years? Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to uh, send my condolences to the Leach family and uh, the Mississippi State community. It's a terrible tragedy, and, and we're all going to miss Mike Leach. He was he was truly one of a kind and, and just did so much for the sport. Uh, but, you know, Lane, it's, it's interesting. They had a really good relationship, and I think it, it worked because, one, they're very different, but two – they sort of brought a stability to the Egg Bowl rivalry just in terms of it was filled with so much vitriol and, and kind of bad blood for so long and, and leech and um, Lane kind of coming in as outsiders didn't look at it that way. And they, they just made it 
um, a lot more respectful. And I know some people don't love that, but I think that they they liked that. I think like Mike Leach and Lane really liked each other. He, he, Lane said he loved talking to Leach. He always said he had to tell him he had to go because Leach would talk for too long. Uh, but I think his his quote that, that I think uh, everybody it resonated with everybody was, uh, if you met Mike Leach, you remember when you met him because he just sort of made that sort of impact on people. It was a, uh, uh, yeah, he he was on ESPN before he talked with us, and it looked like he was pretty close to tears. It, I, I think I think this hurt him a lot too. Yeah, how tough is it for Ole Miss to you know have to turn around and play in a bowl game for Kiffin to have to do that in two weeks? You know, still certainly grieving somebody he respected and looked up to. Yeah, there's there's so much weird stuff going on um, just in college football in general with you've got transfer portal guys who don't know if they're leaving or not, who are still practicing with the team. You've got some who have already left the team. You've got signing day coming up. And then obviously you have this tragedy. There's like there's so many like components here. And then add on the fact that uh, almost lost its last three games. Uh, there's. There's a lot going on. I guess the good news is that Ole Miss is not having anybody opt out uh, for the bowl. They don't have a ton of guys who I think we're expecting to be like first round picks. Uh, but, you know, guys like Nick Broker, uh, he's probably going to be in the top three round, three, four rounds. He, he He's going to play. Uh, Zach Evans hasn't made his intentions clear on whether he's leaving or not, but he is he, he's going to play. Uh, in the game. So uh, I think that's good news for them. I think they kind of needed that. I think it would go a long way uh, ending the season on a good note with with how things ended uh, in the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say, just thinking, you know, Ole Miss was 7-0 and and they end up in the Texas Bowl. I mean, that's that can't be where you want to be or where you expect to be at that point. And like you said, if they can win this game, I'm sure that salvages a lot of kind of the the rest of the season. Yeah, as Nick Broker said today, he was like, we haven't won a game in like two months. And I was like, that's really weird to think about. Uh, but he's I don't think he's wrong. I don't think they've won since my birthday. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Maybe they won one more, one more in there, but it's it's been a while since they won a game. Uh, I think that, you know, that the schedule was pretty forgiving early and then it really kind of got tough and. Uh, they lost some some tough ones. They got their butts kicked in some. It was just kind of a it was a crazy season. But I think you know getting to nine wins, given all the turnover they had in the off season, and looking toward what we expect to come back, I, I think they'd be feeling pretty good heading into twenty twenty three. I think you're right. I think their last win was October twenty ninth, and they're going to play on December twenty eighth. So it really has been two months, and that's got to be tough for guys that you know need to get that winning feeling back. They have not won a game since I turned thirty four. So you're the reason I see that. I think that's, I think that's what I'm getting out of this. So I it was definitely it. that and not Lane Kiffin rumors. <laughs> and, yeah, definitely. Definitely not anything to do with anything with football. It's absolutely me. Speaking of outside of football, I saw Ole Miss women's basketball one this morning, Wednesday morning playing tonight. How's the men's team been doing lately? You know, it's that Memphis game looked like it was going to be really bad uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that was kind of a, a measuring stick game of sorts. They came back and made it interesting. I just think they got hit in the mouth early and just don't really have – they're not a team that is going to do well coming back from big deficits because they're just not built that way. But they've been pretty good. This UCF game tonight I think is going to be really interesting. They've got UCF and they've got Temple coming up. Those are those are sneaky good um, matchups, and if, if they can, you know, split or win both, I think they're feeling pretty good. 
Uh, you know, it, it, I think that this team is going to go as far as their efficient you know, shooting goes. It, when this team is shooting threes and, and missing shots at the rim, which sounds like really obvious, they're very bad. But, you know, the last game, um, they were able to, to cause a lot of mayhem on defense and get in transition and get really easy baskets. And that's when this team is going to be good because they do have speed and they do play defense. That's what they want to do. Current Davis teams are, are built on that. And so... Uh, you know, if, if if they can keep playing the good defense, I think that turns into offense. But, you know, like last year, it didn't always work out that way. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, it transitions as they start playing the better teams. But, you know, so far, so good. I think they've they've kind of exceeded my expectations. I wasn't really sure what to expect. So um, they've got some talented guys. Deshaun Ruffin, his his coming back is is big. He's already looked so much better from game one to game two. I think he's just going to keep getting better. And, and he's just he's so important to what they do. I think that Temple game is going to be really, really good for them just because of, you know, knowing Aaron McKee still the head coach, knowing he came from the Cheney era, knowing that Cheney's always been a guy who liked to schedule good non-conference opponents, knowing how good Temple's been. I think that's going to be a really, really good measuring stick. And also UCF, I mean, they've produced some NBA guys recently, you know, should have upset Duke in the tournament a couple years back, but, you know, really, really good non-conference opponents that, that Ole Miss is going to play and, and get definitely get tested in. Sounds yeah, no, it's 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 going to be good. They got SEC. It's crazy that SEC play isn't too far away. So it, it, it's about to be fun. Yeah, I think Ole Miss comes to Starkville on January 7th. That's like three or four weeks away. Mm. So that should be an interesting game on CBS, actually, at the time. All right, so Michael, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Before we wrap up, we'd happy to be talking about state basketball at the time. I'm about to head down to Jackson on this Wednesday for uh, Mississippi State at Jackson State. Colin, uh, the women's team is in action Thursday. How do you feel about that Florida AM matchup, and how do you feel about the team right now? Yeah, I mean, this is a matchup they should win. Um, I think Florida AM's record, similarly to the last couple teams they've played, is not very, very good. But um, one thing we have seen in these last couple of games is that um, to get things going, State can be a little bit slow. Um, on the game Sunday night against Texas A&M Commerce, um, Sam Purcell really gave credit to the way they came out and tried to run the floor. Um, it was a very quick start to the game, which I wasn't very used to seeing. It, usually I'm used to Mississippi State kind of controlling possession a little bit and, uh, you know, taking their time a little bit to kill the game off early. And um, this time it was like back and forth basketball for the first five minutes. Uh, he took a timeout and after that, things calmed down a little bit, but um, not in a way that slowed the game down. Uh, it was just pressing defense to really, you know, open up a gap uh, against commerce. And, and they, they took it from there the rest of the way they put up 88 points. Um, they got something like 37 points off of turnovers and most of them came around mid court. So uh, they were pressing really high. They had a lot of energy and the starters played up until or the starters in the starting rotation. So uh, Courtney Weber and Asian A. Johnson are, and uh, Romani Parker as well returned from Illinois. Those three have really been, coming in and out of the rotation with a lot of frequency. Um, they were on the court up until the final minute of the game. So Purcell used that as an opportunity to kind of, you know, get them back in game shape after they had finals week. Um, of course, they have this game now midweek, three days later. And then next Monday, they're in Tampa for the Suncoast Classic. So um, they've got those two tests against a pretty good old Dominion team. And then a pretty good New Mexico team. Um, both have winning records right now. I think Old Dominion might be eight and two. 
So similar, I, I think, uh, identical record to Mississippi State. So that'll be a really big test for for the team before they head to Vanderbilt on December 29th. Yeah, I saw that South Carolina is playing at South Dakota State tomorrow. And that's interesting, given that Mississippi State also did that. It's kind of weird to see like the number one defending champion team go play in Brooklyn, right. South Dakota. But I kind of like that. I like when teams do that. Like I know Texas was supposed to play at Jackson State today, ended up getting moved to the Coliseum because of, uh, I guess, a leak in the roof at Jackson State. So that's not <laughs> great. But it's well, cool I know like that. Gonzaga, they like go to North Dakota. They went to the Sanford, whatever that Coliseum thing was, the the pyramid thing. They've done that a few times. And I know that they're not the national champions, but I mean, you know, talk about a good opponent going somewhere that's just kind of random. Uh, you know, they've done that multiple times before. Yeah, it's something I love seeing when big schools go play at small schools. I mean, you have, you know, an intense crowd from the smaller school and fans from the the bigger program as well. Just fun to see those on-campus matchups whenever possible. Uh, Theo, could I add in something quickly? Because I know that you guys were talking about the Arnett thing. Do you mind if I add in something quickly about that? So as Michael was saying um, earlier about, you know, Ole Miss having to, you know, get back to, you know, normal with things and Kiffin, you know, obviously grieving due to the loss of, um, of Leach. I mean, the same thing is going to be true for Mississippi State, and I think that's a really, really weird thing for people to think about that, you know, in a few weeks they're going to be playing a bowl game. They have to get themselves ready and practice for that game in Tampa. And, you know, Theo, you're going to be there. I'm sure that game is going to be incredibly emotional. It's going to be just a surreal environment to be in because, you know, like you said, this is a very, very unique situation in college football where an acting coach – um passes away you know aside from apparently in the 70s and 80s planes were just not stable there were so two I, in one there were two in like a six-week span it was kind of ridiculous. yeah yeah that yeah that's not really um uh or that's kind of unsettling but uh you know aside from that okay i'm only getting on a plane tomorrow that's fine yeah yeah so just i mean the idea of you know just you know in a few weeks that there's going to be a game it's just you know it's it's going to be a surreal environment it's going to be a very, very unique situation, uniquely crafted situation, because, you know, it's one that not many people have experienced. I'm sure definitely not with a bowl game. I don't even – this might be the first time that something like this has happened with a bowl game coming up. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure all the other deaths um, were kind of in the off season, whether it was, like, June or, like, January. So yeah. this is definitely a unique situation. So for Mississippi State, um, when they went to the Gator Bowl in 2010, um, at that point in the season, player Nick Bell – uh, passed away and it was late in the year um i believe it was ahead of the arkansas game so there were there were two games left in the season mm-hmm. and um that it was obviously a hugely emotional uh impact on the team and they uh, they also did uh something where they traded who was going to wear his number 36 so um i think a, a couple of his close friends wore it for the final two games of the season and then in the gator bowl uh quarterback chris ralph wore 36 um when he led the bulldogs to victory so uh that was a really nice gesture and uh you know there's been a lot of mock-ups i'm sure they'll get adidas to work on something but um a lot of people calling for the pirate logo uh or the 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 sword and crossbones at at least to be somewhere on mississippi state's uniform when they go down to tampa so uh maybe we'll we'll see him honored and i'm sure we'll see him honored on, on the uniform in some way yeah so i think you know with all of that um, you know, it's kind of crazy that Mississippi State's already been in a situation 
you know, like this somewhat recently, uh, that is. But, you know, going back to Arnett, I think that he, you know, seeing the passion that he has for the program, seeing the passion that he has in interviews that, um, you know, that that we've done with him, uh, seeing him on the sidelines, I honestly, I mean, I think he's the perfect person. Um, you know, if, you know, if, if you want to have someone in this situation, I think he's the perfect person to, um, you know, to kind of take over the reins for the bowl game. He just, you know, he seems like he understands Mississippi State. He seems like he understands the um, the culture, the environment, the community. I think he understands it really, really well. And, um, you know, I think he's going to take pride in it. And I think he's going to take pride, you know, just it's situations like this don't happen a lot. And I think he's I think he's definitely going to try to make the most of it and try to make it as normal as normal can be in a time when things are not normal. Yeah, we'll have a few more podcasts before that bowl game, kind of see what state does as far as funeral arrangements, as far as moving forward, and as far as how they're going to honor Mike Leach at the bowl game. Before we sign off, I want to ask each of you guys, and I'll let you think about it. What are you guys going to do in your personal lives to honor Mike Leach? What can you take away from his legacy and what can you apply to your own life? So um, this isn't really a change for me personally, but um, but one of my favorite movie theater candy has always been Spree. Um, so even even now that the movie theater here doesn't sell Spree anymore, I'll, I'll, wow. I like to go to the Dollar Tree and pick some up. So I don't think I know what that is. I never I never. Oh, so that, that was uh, that's one of the candies that he he talked about in that interview. But um, he likes the classic Spree. They're kind of like a. They're a little bit like a hard candy. The classic spree are definitely hard. There's also like a chewy spree and like a, a gummy spree, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I like them. They're kind of a classic candy. Uh, he could only find them at the Dollar Tree. So, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll keep doing that. Yeah, I um, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, going to the beat of my own drum because I don't think that I can try to replicate at all what 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 he's done in his career because it's just, you know, again, he, he's a one-of-a-kind type person. But, you know, it's funny that Colin mentioned movies because I did see something where, like, I think it was he started going to movies every week before a game or whatever it is because that's what one of his players did. I actually want to go to the movie theaters way more. So I actually might consider doing that. And I know the theater in Starkville's, um, you know, the prices are pretty reasonable. Uh, so I might end up doing that. But... I don't know. I just think that, um, you know, you know, being a free spirit, thinking freely, just, you know, being yourself in any type of situation. I mean, you know, this year he talked about it seemed like everything, the, the you know, that you could think of. I mean, he brought up dinosaurs in one random postgame press conference. I'm not saying doing that, but just, you know, trying to be yourself and not trying to replicate what others are trying to do. I think that's you know, the best way to, you know, if, if you're going to honor a man like that, you know, just continue to be you instead of trying to be someone else because he was he was himself to the fullest. And uh, I think that the college football world and the sports world is is beyond grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. I think I was just going to say this. The last couple of days have just been kind of a reminder. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Grant Wall passing earlier and, and Mike Leach over the last few days that you know, seeing, seeing all these posts are really a reminder of like, you know, why, I mean, why we wanted to get into this profession, you know, why, why sports are so impactful on people. And it's because of the people in sports. Yeah. For me, I guess to honor Leach's legacy, I mean, staying up really late. I mean, he tends to do that. But <laughs> I think more importantly, just incorporating 
humor into things because mm-hmm. I try to do that when I'm, you know, talking on the podcast or doing like radio. Are you gonna hate candy corn? I do like candy corn, so that's another way for sure. Oh man. You and guys, uh man. just Leech is so funny. I mean, objectively, like very funny, no mm-hmm. matter what the topic he was. He was like unintentionally funny too. He was it was just him. Yeah, and I, I I feel like I possess similar like the dry humor, not to that level. I could never be that funny for that many years and that many creative stories and everything like Leech has, but definitely trying to learn from that and trying to bring that into my life and you know, be that person that can make people laugh like Mike Leach did. So it's definitely something to think about as we wrap this up. Alex, Colin, thanks for sharing your memories of Leach and uh, we'll talk to you next week.